Hello there, and welcome to Tales of Discovery, science stories for young people. This story is about some mysterious animals that only come out at night, and about a man who wanted to find out about them. His name was Donald. Donald Griffin. Have you ever seen a bat? Maybe where you live they fly over your house at night going to find fruit to eat. Or maybe some of them live in hollows in trees right near you. Maybe there's a cave nearby or a stormwater drain where they can sleep during the day until the sun sets and they can fly out into the night to go and look for food and talk to their friends. Bats eat all sorts of things, from fruit to frogs, from blood to bugs. Do you think you'd be able to see well enough at night to fly around really fast, hunting insects and catching them in mid-air? Some bats can. But how? People have been asking the question of how bats can find things in the dark for over 200 years. In 1906, we still had no idea, and that was before you were born, and probably before your grandparents were born. In 1906, they thought it must be crazy for something to be able to see so well in the dark. Let's see whether they can use senses other than their eyes to figure out where they are. Have you ever tried walking around the house with your eyes closed? When I try to do it, I end up stumbling into things, and the only way I know where I am is by what I can feel with my hands and feet, and maybe what I can hear around me. My bedroom has soft carpet, and my kitchen has hard tiles on the floor. So if you imagine walking from a soft, warm, carpeted bedroom to the hard, cold, tiled kitchen, you can imagine that you might have some clues as to where you are. In 1906, a doctor called Whittaker decided to see if bats could find their way around without eyesight. So he blindfolded some of them. It must have looked pretty funny, bats with little blindfolds on. Well... These blindfolded bats were still able to fly around the room. They were a little bit wobbly, but they were flying nearly as they normally would. One of them kept flying underneath Whittaker's chair. One of them was very clever and landed without stumbling to roost on a very thin chain that was hanging from the middle of the room, all while blindfolded. Well, thought Whittaker, they must be using something other than their eyesight. But what else was there? In 1920, another doctor called Hartridge decided to investigate further. Mm. Whittaker had never spotted the bats touching anything when he blindfolded them, so it probably wasn't touch like you or I would use when we can't see. Hartridge decided to check anyway and came up with a very clever system. He used lots of really thin bits of thread, like you'd use for sewing, and tied them to a rail on one side of the room. He pulled them across the room and tied little weights to the other end behind a screen. He made the room all dark and just had a little bit of light behind the screen so he could see if one of the strings was moved, because the weight would move, you see. But the bats couldn't use any light to see. Well, when he released the bats in the room, he let them fly around for ages and ages and they never touched the strings. If they were using touch to figure out where they were and avoid obstacles, then they surely would have touched the strings sometimes. So what's left? How could the bats have been flying around without seeing? Dr Hartridge had one more idea. Maybe they were using hearing. 
I don't know if you know, but sound is like waves, waves that travel through the air instead of the water. Try holding your hand up and shaking it really, really fast. Your hand is moving all the little bits of air around it. Sound waves are way faster than you could ever shake your hand, but they're created by things wobbling, like your hand is. Have you ever sat in the bath and pushed at the water, making it go from one end to the other? It moves when you push it. So does air, and that's what your hand was doing, pushing the air. So sound waves are a bit like waves at the beach, except instead of travelling through water, they're travelling through the air, and when all the bits of moving air hit the inside of your ear, your brain says, oh, that was a sound. It sounded like my foot hitting the ground, or my brother practising the piano, or a bee flying past. And now, along comes Donald Griffin. Donald was actually studying where bats lived, but he thought he might try to sort out how they knew where they were, once and for all. He had heard from Dr Hartridge, and he thought he would see if they could use sound to get around. Now, Donald knew something very cool about sound, which is that if the sound is high enough, if the wobbling that made it is fast enough, it can bounce. Have you ever heard an echo? Well, if you want to make an echo from a very short distance away, you need to make a very high sound. Donald thought that maybe the bats could make very high sounds and hear whether the sounds were bouncing off anything. Then they'd know whether there was something in front of them. So he had to figure out whether they made high sounds at all. Now some sounds are so high that we can't even hear them. All Donald had to do was figure out if they could make these sounds and if they could hear them. Luckily, he had a special device for hearing these ultrasounds, as we call them, and he could use it to figure out that bats were calling all the time and that the noises they were making were little pulses, like bing, bing, bing. Even better, Donald and his friends got bats to fly past some obstacles and listen to the noises they were making, and they made noise just before they changed directions. It turns out the noises they make bounce off the objects. The wobbling bits of air wobble towards something so fast that when they hit it, they wobble back again. And the bats can hear it and figure out what's around them. They decided to call it echolocation. Donald and his friends thought this was pretty cool and figured out lots of ways to use what he had found. Figuring out how bats use sound to find where they are helped us learn that dolphins do the same thing and helped us develop sonar detection for submarines which works the same way. There are lots of different kinds of bats, and Donald thought it would be good to study a few different ones to see how they use sound. Lots and lots of other people have looked at this too. It turns out not all bats use sound to get around, and that's probably because not all of them need to fly very fast and catch things while they're flying. The ones that eat fruit just need to get between fruit trees, so they have big eyes and good night vision. But the ones that hunt insects in the air, imagine that, hunting insects while flying. They need to be very, very quick, and they use sound to find their food. They can see, but it's not very helpful when they're hunting things that are so fast. Now, the thing is that different types of bats look for different food and in different places. So if you were a bat flying around between lots of close-together trees... There are lots of things for your noises to bounce off, which could get confusing. So they use different sounds to bats that hunt in fields. The really useful thing about knowing what different types of bats sound like is we can figure out what bats are in an area without even having to look at them. 
We just make recordings of whatever is flying around and have a look at the calls later to figure out which bat it was. Now, I have one more fun thing to tell you about getting around using sound. Remember when we were imagining walking around the house with our eyes closed? Well, now imagine walking around the house with your eyes closed, but sending out little noises and getting little echoes back. Do you think it would help you know where you are? It turns out there are people who have learned to do just that. They can't see, so they learn to click their fingers or their tongues or tap a stick or stomp their feet. And they listen to the sounds and they practice and practice and practice until they can figure out what the sounds they hear mean. Some of them can even learn to ride a bicycle without looking, just by making these sounds and listening to them. How much better does a discovery get than that? Thanks, Donald. That's all for this episode of Tales of Discovery. Follow me on Facebook or SoundCloud to make sure you don't miss the next episode. If you've got a request or a suggestion for a great story, let me know in the comments. Till next time.